911, what's your emergency? Welcome to Life Beyond the Sirens podcast with Brett, Tim, and Stu. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Stories and advice from frontline workers. Today we're joined by Dr. Jen Haley, a board-certified dermatologist since 2004. Uh, She was an officer in the U.S. Navy and was head of dermatology at Pearl Harbor. Uh, So we're super excited to have her on the podcast and to bring all of her knowledge. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. So excited. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you started and how you got into where you are now. Sure. I'm a lot older than you guys, so this can be a one hour discussion of (laughs) my background, but I am, I study nutrition at Cornell university. So my basis for a lot of things is nutrition and even going through medical school where we don't learn a lot of nutrition. Mm -hmm. It, it always perplexed me like, okay, we give people medications by mouth yet. Why are we not thinking about what we're actually putting in our mouth all all day long, you know, and how it's affecting us. So nutrition is something that's always been a focus of mine and how I can incorporate it into being a physician and being a, you know, a dermatologist in particular and fitness as well. I've, I've done fitness competitions. I, I used to write for a couple of fitness magazines and uh, exercise nutrition, you know, all the whole gamut now mindfulness as well, really play a role in all aspects of our health. Now, when it comes to skin, my perspective is not focused on a skin ailment per se. It's more that the skin is our largest visible organ mm-hmm. and it's basically telling you the health of all of your internal organs. Mm -hmm. So if your skin is inflamed in some way, it's screaming at you. It's saying, Hey, something else is going on internally. So until we address things internally, it's not going to really resolve itself. We, We certainly have medications where we can, you know, slam the immune system so we don't get red. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have that issue until you address the internal cause. So I take a very holistic approach to, to uh, skincare. The other day when I was at uh, the fire hall, I was working out in the morning and some of the people on my crew like to just go for a walk around the hall to try to get the sunlight in the morning. Um, And I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day and you recommended not wearing sunglasses or at least in the morning. Um, And I noticed that some of them were and some of them weren't wearing sunglasses. Are you able to just tell us a little bit about why you recommend that and maybe the benefits of not wearing sunglasses? Absolutely. That's a great question. So my perspective on sun exposure has changed over time. A lot of it has to do with research and science. Uh, Some of it has to do with intuitively how I feel and how you may feel, right? Because we need to check in the advice out there. It's guidance. But at the end of the day, we make choices depending on how we intuitively feel from Mm -hmm. an interoceptive perspective, right? Like, check in with ourselves. Does it feel good or not? If it doesn't, it's probably not going to be the right thing. Um, but going back to the sunlight. So there are studies, I mean, number one, circadian rhythm. So you get up, you want to get your eyes in the sunlight. So I woke mm-hmm. up this morning, I went for a hike. I already went for a hike. Fortunately in Arizona, we have a lot of sun right now. So I want to get out early because yeah. it sets that circadian rhythm during the day. And it's not only for sleep, but all of our enzymatic processes in our bodies are set by light. So mm-hmm. with the way you guys work with these crazy shifts, you know, yeah. you, in order, it's very, very easy to get your circadian clock 
confused. So the best way to reset your circadian clock is through light and through food. So, you know, if you're going, I don't know how, what kind of shifts you do, but like when I worked in the ER, it was like 6am to 6pm and then 6pm to 6am, but you're doing like what, 24? Yeah, we do 7am to 7am. Yeah. So, I mean, it's challenging because if you wait, if you get off work at 7am, you're going to want to go to sleep. And you're not going to want to get in the sun, right? So you're going to want to get, you know, you're, you're shifted and it really is not a good thing for your health. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but then I, you, you go back to the other way. So I feel like going back to the other way, having a meal and having sunlight can shift you as if you're waking up. So if you're traveling across the world and you arrive, you want to get in the sun and have a meal and that tells your body it's time to wake up. So um, I also like red light therapy. So red light therapy helps strengthen the mitochondria and turn it on. And I have a red light device at my house and red light therapy for about six minutes in the eyes can help improve the health of your vision. Like I don't, I'm 51 Mm -hmm. and I don't need glasses at all. And I'm sure it's because of this, like the nutrition light. And also the fact that I believe your brain can be trained. So your eyes are the only visible part of your brain and you can train it. Like if I can't see those, numbers over there, I could tell myself, oh, that says three, five, seven. And then I train my eyes that that means three, five, seven. And whenever it sees that again, it will know that that's three, five, Mm -hmm. seven. So we have the ability to train our brains like we do with our bodies, but I'm going off on a tangent. So, (laughs) so light in the morning is essential too, (laughs) because it's so cool. You know, there's so many great things in this world, but light in the morning is essential to set your search clock for the day so that your bodies can have like all the daily enzymatic processes. Mm -hmm. Mostly what it is, is uh, fighting oxidative stress or protecting. We're in protect mode during the day and we're in repair mode at night. And that's why even with skincare, we'll recommend different things in the morning versus at night because do we want to, are we in a protective mode or are we in a reparative mode? We don't want to have a full stomach when we're repairing. We're going to have an empty stomach at night when we're repairing, right? Mm -hmm. So our liver can detox and things like that. Um, Now, as far as walking um inside i don't know if they were walking the hallways outside or inside but if you're inside you're not getting uvb rays and uvb rays are necessary to create vitamin d in the skin okay okay and what what does vitamin do and sorry vitamin d do inside the body like ridiculous so many things i mean more than 500 metabolic processes so it's more of a hormone vitamin yeah vitamin d does everything from help your bones to be stronger to there have been associations with lower risk of colon cancer. Okay. So vitamin D is really, really essential. And most of us are deficient for a number of reasons. You need magnesium in order to convert vitamin D into its active form. And because of the way we grow our plants, we don't cycle, we don't rotate crops. Right, so a yeah. lot of our very deficient in certain things like magnesium, zinc, selenium, and a number of other things. Most people are deficient in in magnesium. So I like wholeheartedly recommend supplementing with a good quality magnesium supplement. Um, Because even if you do get vitamin D, you're not going to convert it into its active form. Even if you're in the sun, you're not going to convert it into its active form without having magnesium on board. Do you find that supplements do an adequate job like as opposed to the real thing, like say we were like taking care of our crops and growing the proper nutrient dense foods. And like, what percentage would you say is effective by taking a supplement? Like, would you recommend like trying to grow your own? Like, I know a lot of people are doing 
the off the grid thing, like growing their own lettuce and raspberries and whatever. And I'm sure that's probably more nutrient dense. So like if you don't have the ability to do that, like, you know, like we have limited space to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, like what effectiveness do you think supplements have? Like, obviously it's better to have something than nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard question. I don't know if I can give a percentage or anyone could give a percentage to that. And we, I think sometimes people use supplements as a crutch and I personally do take a lot more supplements than I probably need to, but I also sometimes check in like this morning, I'm like, I'm going to go a few days without anything because Mm -hmm. I believe that we kind of have to cycle a little Mm -hmm. bit of everything, whether it's you know, our, like the moon cycles, women's cycle, every, you know, the season cycle, everything cycles. So mm-hmm. your body absorbs more when it's a little deficient. Like we, we're not meant to have blueberries every day of the year, you know, like yeah. fruits are in yeah. the summertime to put a weight on, right. We're not meant to have that. So I think if you go to your point and have, um, locally sourced, right. So something that's locally sourced organic, because there's, are you familiar with a process called hormesis no biohormesis no okay this is really cool i think you'll appreciate this so if you think about a machine like a car or a fire truck right it breaks down over time mm-hmm. so the more you use the machine the more it breaks down over time the human body is the complete opposite the less you use it it breaks down the more you use your brain the smarter it gets. Mm-hmm. The more right. you lift weights and you lift heavy things, your muscles get stronger, your bones get stronger. Now in plants, when plants are grown in like the Himalayas, in really, really difficult environments, mm-hmm. challenging environments with harsh conditions, and they have no pesticides, the only ones that survive are the strongest that have the most phytonutrients that have the highest nutritional density. So when you take plants and you baby them and you, you protect them and you make sure that they get no bugs that they have to fight against, no, you know, nothing, they are, they're not nutritionally dense. And that's why our food supply when it's conventionally grown is not as nutrient dense as, as it used to be when we were like organic and when we were cycling. Yeah, exactly. And when you look at our soil, it's a light brown soil. I've been to the highlands of Ecuador. It's black, it's rich, it's Mm. volcanic. And Mm. those nutrients, that humic acid, the fulvic acid, all of those, all of those nutrients go into the plants and then they go into us. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm more of a meat eater. (laughs) I'm more of a meat eater. So I have friends who are hunters and I, I have, I eat food that eats plants. Mostly, (laughs) I'm not a like plant person, but I'm getting the plants that, you know, my food (laughs) ate. So my food eats a lot of grass. That's what I'm getting. (laughs) Whereas like, (laughs) I know most people don't think that when they see me, but whereas like if you're eating conventional cows that are literally fed Skittles at times, there, there, there was like this. Yes. Don't even ask. Like it's such a horrible industry, you know, because if there's expired, I guess there was a truck that was headed to a cattle, a cattle ranch, and it flipped over on the highway. And they said, where were you headed? And they were headed to the cattle ranch to feed the yeah. cows, the Skittles. So <sighs> can you imagine what all that artificial color and what? flavor does in the meat? Yeah. And it, it changes our own body. So yeah. what the animals eat really affects what we eat. I mean, also so, what we eat, people eat Skittles and that's absolute garbage to put inside your body. Mm-hmm. It really is, you know, and I mean, just from a personal perspective, when my son was younger, he was diagnosed with autism and 
I did neurofeedback with him and took out the artificial colors and flavors. And he's he's 18 and he's totally I've, like I've a wrestler. Yeah. I've, and I'm not saying that that's the cure for everyone. That's my personal right. story. But artificial color and flavor is so toxic for our brains. I've heard like so, the, the red dye five or something like that is like horrific to yeah. consume. It is Cheetos and, you know, all the taquitos and, and things like that. And you just don't know. I mean, that's why yeah. I love forums like this podcast because they're free for people. Like I grew up very poor. My parents were very ignorant. They were married when they were 18 and 19. They didn't know anything about health. I didn't mm -hmm. even have a fresh vegetable. Until I was in college. Like I had canned peas and frozen broccoli. And, Whoa. you know, I didn't, I didn't understand until I learned. Right. So well, with I that mean, being said, it's never too late. Our, our parents pretty much went on the food guide. That's like changed so drastically yeah. since we were a kid like milk and cheese was on it and like bread and yeah. like they've changed it now i think it's more like uh vegetables and like chickpeas and whatever like it's more nutrient dense foods but like imagine like growing up like i ate a lot of like the same things and like you know as a kid you you're helpless to whatever's being put in front of you like you, you i didn't know i didn't have a say like you know like you just and it wasn't that it was bad food it was just you know are the people that are making it are they that informed at the time like i think our knowledge of food has changed so much even in the last like 20 years like i'd never had an avocado until i was 25 so like yeah you know, now <laughs> i run on avocados and coffee basically so <laughs> same i just ate one yeah. <laughs> but i mean that's a good point because we only know what we know and it's the age of the internet and the podcast forums are so empowering to people because they're free information where people can learn different ways of being than what they know in their environment. Mm -hmm. And that's all we need, you know, because it's so easy to get caught up in these like urban deserts where the only place you have to shop is the grocery store, mm -hmm. which is like a, a corner store that looks like a Seven Eleven, and you're not going to get much healthy stuff out of there. Yeah, and some... people believe that because it's labeled food, it's food. It's not food. It's a company giving you something that's palatable, that doesn't have much nutritional value so they can profit off of you. Yeah. So it's, that's, it is crazy. Yeah. And they're like, there's some things that like are on our shelves that are like banned, like over and over and over again in Europe. And you're like, how does it pass here? And then they'll figure out like whatever it is, something in like you're drinking a bubbly right now. Like they might find like a chemical yeah. that's now banned and then they'll just find and they'll just modify it a little bit a little, so that it's, it's a little different name and it takes the system a little while to catch up to yeah. like banning, rebanning that. And like, we're just drinking, slugging them back. Like we have no idea. And it, I've like, as an adult, I've changed a lot of how I've eaten and like, you know, now having like a daughter, like I try my best, like I'm just living a busy life, but like it is so impactful of like what you choose to put in your body. And like, you're talking about like seasonal changes and stuff. And like when I was uh, about 27 or 26, um, my, one of my first crews was all vegetarian and I was like, Oh God, I, I was like, heavy meat eater whatever and i like walked in my first day on crew and you know they're vegetarian i'm like god damn it i just learned all these recipes to like, come in and like <laughs> you know make a pork tenderloin or whatever and now i gotta like try and do this so then like as i was starting to eat more and more vegetarian with them because i'd spend four days on with them and we'd have vegetarian based meals that like after a while i started realizing like i was feeling much better eating just like vegetarian meals and then like 
I was a vegetarian for probably like six or seven years and then it kind of like stagnated. And then like I started reintroducing meat again and I was like, wow, I feel way better eating meat now. And like, it's just like keeping like different, like shifting like your body's like intake of nutrients and stuff. I find that like helps your, Mm -hmm. your, your body adapt. And like with the changing of like seasonally, we're supposed to be eating, like you said, we're not supposed to be eating blueberries year round. I think that like by having a four season change of food, even like not even just drastic, like I went from vegetarian to meat based and vice versa, like just even having like different options that we're supposed to have only limited times of the year would be so good for the body. Yeah. So I, I went through a similar thing where I was vegetarian for like 10 years And, you know, you stop making some of the enzymes needed to digest meat. So it's slow to digest when you restart it. But a lot of times people will notice a big shift if they go vegan or vegetarian because they're eliminating a lot of the processed foods. But after about six to nine months, I notice a lot of people, their hair will start falling out and they'll have a sallowness to their skin because there are certain things in meat products like vitamin B12 and Um, just easier metabolism of the proteins in meat food, carnitine, there's a number of other things that um, most people will become deficient in. But interestingly enough, some people have a microbiome like the gut bacteria that Mm -hmm. do beautifully vegan diet. So it just goes to Mm -hmm. show you that there's not one diet that's good for everyone. Some people can get a lot of protein out of vegetable matter and some people can't, you know, so it's really depends. I always love the people that are like, dude, dude how are you going to get all your protein in? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I throw chickpeas or something on my salad. I'm like, you're eating a processed burger and bacon. Do you think that's good for you? Yeah. Like, I just wanted to circle back again. Um, the other day when I was uh, at work, I was putting on some sunscreen there. It kind of clued in or it reminded me of an episode again. I was listening to you on another podcast that you were saying uh, about having zinc oxide and nitric oxide in your sunscreen. Is that... Something that like that you got to look for specifically, or is that in most of them, or or why would you want yeah, that? So, <laughs> it's not nitric oxide. Nitric oxide would be kind of cool because it would enhance oh, okay. blood flow to. The skin. But and the more blood flow you have, the better <laughs> delivery you're gonna have. But, Tim puts on a cream, um, and just collapses, his <laughs> blood pressure drops. You may pass. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's okay. I don't know. <laughs> so. Um, this is how I feel. I used to, you know, I used to be very dogmatic when I was early in my career and very science based. And I see a lot of skin cancers and sun damage. And, you know, nothing will strike you more than when you see someone who takes off a shirt and their skin looks baby smooth on their chest. And then everything else, like a cowboy, looks really like rugged and worn out and chicken skin. And you're just like, ah, look what the sun does, right? So cumulative sun exposure over time really does wreak havoc on the skin. When you're living until 30 or 40, it's not a big deal. But when you're living to 80, 90, 150, it it is a big deal. And all of us, even people who say they are not in the sun are spending at least 10 minutes a day in the sun, even walking to and from your car, you're you're getting sun exposure. So I do recommend putting a high quality, um, like like you said, Tim, a sunscreen with um, SPF 30 or higher containing zinc oxide and then or titanium dioxide. So to zinc oxide is a little bit easier to find, but some of them can have zinc or titanium and stay away from all the other chemical names. I've always, I've always recommended that just because okay. we never know what those chemicals are going to do. Mm-hmm. And just putting it on, you know, like every day, you know, your face, your neck, your chest. 
and then sweep the back of their hands. That's what I recommend for people. And I don't use sunscreen elsewhere. I, I feel that if you have very nutrient rich foods, that will help increase the SPF of your skin. The colors that are imparted on vegetables to protect mm -hmm. them from the sun also provide like a low grade SPF for us. It's not okay. measurable. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also clothing. Clothing is going to be the best. So like the Hawaiians taught me about the rash guard, you know, like when you're in the ocean, wear a rash guard. You, yeah. you, you just can't get sunscreen on your back properly. You're, you never will. It's it's really meant as a backup to physical protection. Mm -hmm. But going back to the vitamin D discussion, depending on where you live, like this morning, I did 10 minutes of my stomach and my back and my legs in the sun three times a week to get vitamin D because for my skin tone, that's all I need here. You know, whereas yeah. someone who's African-American living in Chicago, they're going to need more sun exposure to not be deficient in vitamin D. And the darker your skin tone, the more likely you're deficient in vitamin D. So it's really important because it changes everything from your energy levels to your bone health, to your brain okay. health. So vitamin D is an essential hormone vitamin. So can yeah. you not get enough vitamin D just from like your face and your hands exposed? Like you recommend like you're, you know, like taking off your shirt or whatever to like ex bring out more surface area? Or is it like, are you trying to like expose more skin? skin to the sun different parts for, of your body yeah. is it like a section can get saturated no not so much okay. number one okay. i'm vain and i don't want wrinkles on my face nor do i want them on my face <laughs> <laughs> number two i mean i see most of the skin cancers from chronic sun exposed areas okay. face neck chest oh, back okay. hands. those are getting sun every day through the yeah. windows in the car which you're not getting UVB through windows. You're only getting UVA, which are deep penetrating aging rays. Okay. So which titanium dioxide blocks against the UVAs. Okay. okay. So that's another reason. UVB is necessary to make vitamin, vitamin D. And the more broadly, as you guys mentioned, the more broad skin exposure, the quicker you're going to, the, the better you're going to be able to make vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And also those areas don't see sun much. So if you're seeing sun there a couple times a week, you know, for 12 14, 16 weeks a year, mm -hmm. chances are unlikely you're going to get a significant amount of sun damage and you're going to be enough to naturally make vitamin D in addition to a supplement. I do like supplements. Right. right. So and wearing a Speedo 10 minutes a day, got it. <laughs> <laughs> five minutes one side, five minutes with the other side. Yeah. You know? Scare and the neighbors then, around the corner and go home. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe you'll get new neighbors wanting to come by. <laughs> but I mean... Yeah, you have to get your vitamin D levels checked so you know where you're at yeah. and then you kind of play around from there. Right. It seems kind of silly, but the way you apply your sunscreen, you're supposed to be going from the outside of the face oh, into the yeah. middle. Because my girlfriend is just like, she puts on her, like, does her like skincare routine and like tried, tried to get me on this wagon quite a bit. And she's like the way I applied it, I just literally like face bomb my hand. And just I go, I go forehead that way. I can just swipe it <laughs> yeah. down. It's just, it's efficient. It's like a sunshade. Just <laughs> yeah, top to bottom. No idea if I'm actually like doing paint. anything for and myself. She, yeah. It's like painting, like painting a wall. She's just like gently like rubbing <laughs> it in and like pushing it around. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Is there a preferred method as far as applying it? Yeah, this is this is my personal observations. This is not anything in the literature. So year after year after year, what I've seen is I could see pe people who have like very clear skin here yeah. and then they have tons of brown spots over here on the right in front of their ear. And I would say a huge percentage of skin cancers that I see in men 
are in what I, I call it the danger zone. It's pre uh, right in front of the ear on the left side. Okay. And then right behind the ear on the neck on the left side from driving mm. all day. Mm. Oh, so okay. I like, yeah, because it's that deep penetrating UV yeah. rays that come through. I like to take the sunscreen and I do a liberal amount and I, uh, that's all I have on right now, a sunscreen. And I just wipe it here and then bring it here and then blend inwards. Cause you're not going to have, you know, you're going to make sure you get your nose and everything. And yeah. I go all the way my eyelid margins and then get your neck and your chest. Cause those are the areas that are easy to miss. Mm -hmm. um, but go from outside to inside is, is, you know, put it on your hand, go outside to inside, just rub it all around and then take the back of your hands and rub your eyes. And the thing is, is that you want to do it every day before you leave the house because it's consistent. Just like, yeah. you know, sometimes I walk into the gym and I'm like, oh, I'm not in the mood to work out. And even if I work out 10 minutes at the end of the week, that's an hour. At the end of the year, that's 50 hours of exercise. I like wow, that thought lot, process. Right? Yeah. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a compound effect, right? Just like anything. I do five like one extra a day. Yeah. Just like one extra cookie a day is like, 15 pounds mm -hmm. a year, you know? So yeah. it's a compound effect. Everything is a compound yeah. effect and it takes a second to do. But the thing is, is finding sunscreens that you actually like. Cause if you don't like it, it feels like plastic wrap on your yeah. face. You're not going to want to use it. So you have to find one that you like. Yeah. Is there like um, a difference between like lower priced ones and higher priced ones? It's more the cosmetic elegance. Okay. It's more the feel, uh -huh. like the feel, so, like a, an easy one that, I find it used to only be in dermatology offices, but now it's everywhere is a company called Elta MD, E-L-T-A-M-D. And I think they're even like at Walmart and Costco and stuff where you okay. can buy online. They make pretty lightweight ones that just don't feel really heavy. Yeah. Um, and there's, I, you know, there's, I find like the more expensive they are, the nicer they feel, but anything with zinc, you know, even like Neutrogena and Arvino make some nice brands nowadays. Mm, right. um, you just have to around and see how it feels on your skin because if you're feeling it all day you don't want it you don't i don't feel my sunscreen right yeah. now and you can you get know? ones that have like a mixed with a moisturizer or something like that i i assume yeah. if not i have a great idea <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have <laughs> the more you can combine in one thing for a man the better oh, you know? yes. <laughs> we're all about efficiency yeah. speaking of males and skincare what would you recommend for a uh skincare routine routine for yeah, men yeah. like right now i kind of wash my face and i put on a moisturizer that's about it is I, that good enough i do absolutely nothing most people don't you know i don't think yeah. i did anything until i was 30 either so which is great so when you're young your skin cells turn over so quickly you can get away with a lot after yeah. about age 35 like your choices start to show <laughs> a lot more <laughs> <Right there. laughs> I know genetics only plays about 80%, maybe 90% of, I mean, I'm sorry, 10%, maybe 20% of a role. The rest, our choices in life mm. can make up the rest, which is great. I mean, it's so empowering. It's not like, oh, well, my parents, this happened to them and I'm going to have the same, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. the same result. So we have the option to change our futures depending on the choices we make. And with uh, skincare, I'd say, you know, cleansing is great, especially if you're, um, you know, exposed to any toxic <laughs> elements like you guys are, you want to yeah. get those off. So you want to get chemicals and dirt and things off, especially at night, uh, more than even the morning. But at night, you definitely want to. I like salicylic acid cleansers, anything with salicylic acid, uh, because it's anti-inflammatory. It comes from the willow bark tree, which is where aspirin comes from. So mm. it reduces inflammation. 
Um, it breaks up skin cells. So it exfoliates gently. It helps with acne. It helps with kind of redness issues. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good overall ingredient to look for to help uh, clean the skin without destroying this, the natural skin microbiome, like the healthy balance yeah. of bacteria and organisms on the skin, which if your skin is healthy, it can really protect you from pretty much anything. So we want to keep the skin as healthy as possible. We want, we don't want to have that dry stripped feeling afterwards where it's taut, yeah. where your skin is taut. So salicylic acid cleanser, and then a moisturizer um, at night is fine. And then during the day, a sunscreen is fine. And that's the basics for men. I'd say the first place they know a they notice aging is around their eyes. So then the, if you notice like, Hey, I'm kind of getting a little, you know, crinkly here, or I'm getting a little sunken in here. I'd introduce a, a good eye cream, a high quality medical grade eye cream. Yeah. There's a difference between like a moisturizer and a cream. Cause I noticed some of the moisturizers that we even have at work, um, have alcohol in it, which dries out your skin. It seems counterproductive. Mm -hmm. Um, is like, should we be just using like a cream or a lotion as opposed to like a, yeah, something that has alcohol in it? That's such a good observation. Most people don't notice that I'm constantly talking about lotions versus cream. So are we talking about the face or the body? Uh, both, I guess. I didn't know there was a difference. Uh, yeah, I didn't okay. either. No, I there is. There oh is. my gosh. Okay. I'm learning. I'm already learning today. This is, wow. <laughs> the face is separate from the body. Well, oh we don't want it God. completely separate. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, it's so, I mean, I'm just thinking because if someone's acne prone, so if someone's mm. acne prone, we don't want to be putting an oil-based cream on their face. You want to use something with hyaluronic acid or an oil-free moisturizer for the face. Now, um, but for the body, as to your point, Tim, as you mentioned, um, a lot of lotions have alcohol in them. So it feels moisturizing when you first put it on. And about an hour later, you don't feel like you have anything. So I prefer creams always on the body. And the best way to apply them is right after you get out of the shower or right after you wash your hands when there's moisture in the skin and then it seals in the moisture. Because yeah. if you live in a dry environment like I do, Arizona, Mother Nature always wins and everything in the world is trying to achieve homeostasis. So what's going to happen is it's going to continue, the, the environment's going to continue to pull out moisture from the skin unless you try to seal it in with mm. a cream-based moisture. Interesting. So you're probably showering a lot, right? You're yeah. probably showering a ton. I don't know. He smells yeah, so pretty after bad. Shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, when you guys are trying to get, you know, the, the, the soot, the, the, all the chemicals, yeah. sorry, I don't know the terminology. When you're trying to get it all off your body, you know, yeah. you're showering and I really don't like soap except for under the arms and the groin because it pulls out moisture. But when you're dealing with something greasy or something heavy, you need to yeah. use soap. And it's also stripping your lipid bilayer, your healthy protective coat of skin. So you have to add back moisture with a moisturizing cream. I did have a question about that. So like, obviously the skin is the largest or yeah. organ of your body. Um, whenever, like I, I find I go to fires, I'm wearing my bunker gear and my SCBA and everything. And like, as far as we know, whereas protected as we could be but like thinking back on like history like you think you've got it right and then like all of a sudden everything changes like who knows in 20 years we might be like i can't believe we used to do that like i will be showering like sometimes two three days later and i still smell like a campfire like what is that like is the body absorbing obviously like 
there the skin is absorbing these chemicals no matter what like we're trying our best but like it's just happening this is a fact um because they did a study i think mcmaster they burned only wood in a building and somebody on the second floor wearing full scba bunker gear whatever and it was just wood was absorbing like toxic chemicals Mm. and they weren't even working they weren't sweating they weren't you know like like opening themselves up for more intake. So like, I'm just wondering like, what is going on in the body that like, why do I smell like a bonfire? Wow. That's really scary. That, that bothers me a lot because the fact that you're smelling it a few days later tells me that you're it's inside your body. And basically we have, we have a number of ways of detoxifying with our body, right? Like our liver and our kidneys are big detoxifying organs. Mm -hmm. And we do that our urine, through our poop, through women's menstrual cycle, and through sweat and breath mm-hmm. as well. Every time we inhale and exhale, we're ex- exhaling toxins, we're exhaling things, and we're, we sweat it out. So um, like when I do hot yoga, I run to the bathroom and I wipe off my sweat and rinse it off as quickly as possible because all those toxins came out of my sweat. So when you're smelling it two or three mm-hmm. days later, your skin is detoxifying by you know, maybe not overtly being visibly sweaty, but we're, I'm sweating right now just by, mm-hmm. you know, per, we're firing. It's just evaporating yeah. quicker than we feel it. And your body's trying to get rid of those toxins. So that's just telling me that you're getting toxins inside you. So we're, we're clearly doing something wrong and not fully protecting you if you are. Right. Like I think we're doing the, like as, as best we can, like there's always yeah. studies and research going on about yeah. like advancing this, but like we're at a level where, you know, this is the best we have right now. Um, is there any way that like I can enhance the detoxification? Like we have saunas or like going for a run or like, you know, what better things could I do? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not an expert on the toxins you're exposed to, you know, we all, we're all all exposed to something. Mm -hmm. Um, but sweating, absolutely. Like I bet, I mean, I'd be curious. I'd be curious that like, if you did a hard sweat that, that night or the next day and sweating later in the day is better because, and doing cold plunges is a little bit better in the morning, just because mm-hmm. of the way our body, our temperature set points are. Yeah. Um, but if you could do a heavy sweat, I wonder if two days later you would be smelling it. I bet you wouldn't. I'm mm-hmm. curious if I had to make a bet, I would think you wouldn't be smelling it as much. I think it would, it would enhance it. Yeah. there's a catch to that though like after you know fighting a fire you're not exactly in the mood to go for a run <laughs> <laughs> can i tell you so i was in the navy for 15 years and they make yeah. even though i was a doctor they make you do like they don't make you they offer for you to do these other things that the people you're treating do so you understand what their lifestyle is right like go mm. on a ship and you know, like go in a Gila dunker, like you go in a helicopter and you crash in the water and it flips upside down. You have to figure Wait, out how to get out. With a mask on. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's unreal. It was fun. Yeah. So that the helicopter, the, the simulated helicopter, yeah. the Gila dunker hits the water and you get front seat, back seat with a mask, without a mask. And, you know, when you're in the back seat with a mask on, it's simulating nighttime and it dunks. And then you have to count to 10 when it flips over, it's flipping. And then you're allowed to try to exit, right? And you always get picked, kicked in the head when you're in the back seat. You, have, like, <laughs> you know, other nerdy doctors just like, ah! <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> panicked. Joe reason- Rogan's narrating <laughs> this like fear factor. Yeah. <laughs> 
it kind of, but the reason I bring this up because all of that was a breeze except for firefighting. Like when I did the firefighting, I had to quit the first time. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am strong, but like, this is so hard. I'm hot. I can't see. I can't breathe. I can't hear. It's heavy. It's really, really, really heavy. Yeah. And I had to quit and I did it again because I'm not going to quit and not do it again. And then I did it again successfully. But I mean, I have so much respect for what you have to do. Like, I think I was wiped out for two days. I never yeah, slept so yeah. hard in my life. It, it can be pretty exhausting <laughs> so, at times. Right. But I mean, point being is like maybe the next day you do a heavy yeah. sauna before bed or, you know, something like that. Get Even it like, out. Would I be concerned about like, you know, after a fire or something like obviously there's stuff on me or in me, like no matter how much I'm trying, um, like exposing because like they tell us to like put our bunker gear in a bag and put it in our trunk. Like don't be around it. Even if you haven't been in a fire in a while, like it's still like consumed these chemicals and it's slowly off gassing like all the mm -hmm. time. Um, like, would I have any concerns, like, you know, like being around my loved ones? Yeah, I think that stuff is transferable. I'm not an expert in this, but I mean, I think that all chemicals are transferable, but who knows what she's doing. She could be coming into contact with other stuff too. I mean, we're all like our furniture is off gassing, yeah, you know, true. so yeah. air, I mean, yeah. air and water, I think are so taken for granted and having a good air purifier and a water purifier yeah. are even more important because, you know, water is like incredibly essential. And I had this patient when I used to work in Washington, DC, um, I had a patient who worked for the EPA and she told me there's certain things we can't clean out of water, like hormonal birth control, sucralose. Like there's certain things that people urinate and then they can't get it out. Yeah. Oh. I mean, not through the, not through the, the massive water supplies, but yeah. if you get mm -hmm. like a system for your house, that's a little bit more precise and slow, you can yeah. with, you know, charcoal and things like that. So wow. I, I have a water filter in my house. It's a, yeah. it's a good investment mm. to do. Um, and then just drinking a lot of water with electrolytes is really important for your detoxification process okay. because you don't want things to get sludgy and stagnant. So our mm. lymphatics have to flow and, you know, move yeah. and circulate water you know dilution is solution to pollution so oh, diluted out, but electrolyte because <laughs> you're you're you know you're sweating so much too yeah. so you need your electrolyte so, so sorry back yeah. to the sauna like we have one at the fire hall or at least one of our fire halls is that a good thing to do directly after we get back like should we shower first then sauna or well i heard like our health and i would Sorry, yeah, I would definitely shower first. And even a cold shower would be cool. I mean, there's a lot of really good research out there on cold, cold heat, cold heat, and cycles of cold mm -hmm. heat, cold heat, on how it can uh, help your cardiovascular system. It's linked to improved longevity, improved dopamine in the brain, things like that. So if you come back and you're like, just smoke, you can get in some cold water, whether it's a plunge or an ice shower. And it, you know, for two or three minutes, and it'll, it'll boost your dopamine levels and, you know, okay. give you a better, better, you know, better mindset. And then, you know, you might be ready to go into the sauna. Yeah. So, it also would get everything it, off, off your body mm -hmm. without opening up your pores. Is that the benefit as well? Yeah. I mean, your pores are going to be open. Like, I don't know what's up with okay. the cold closing your concept, but, um, but yeah, you want to immediately get everything off yeah. your body. Like time you sweat, you need to get it out. You need to get it off, you know, and it doesn't mean you need a lot of soap because that's going to dehydrate you. You only need soap if you have soot and greasy kind of mm -hmm. stuff. If right. it's just dirt or sweat, 
it, it's fine to just rinse yeah. and then just use soap to do under your arms and groin. But um, yeah. Be, being in the sauna, like I've heard uh, like conflicting st- um, theories that like you're not supposed to sweat it out. You're supposed to let your body, like your kidneys and everything filter it. Or like if you're sweating it out, your skin might reabsorb it. So like, should you be like toweling down as you're sweating it out? No, just get out and shower. You're fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, what, I don't even understand that. Why would people say your kidneys need to do the work? Like we, we want to outsmart our body, but like our bodies are so smart. They're going to, they're going to do what they want to do. Like they're going to yeah. sweat and take the kidneys and the liver and everything's going to work. Like our body will never supersede our bodies. We never, there's no bionic man, you know, like yeah. you get a shoulder <laughs> replacement as good as the body made it. So, so yeah, no, I mean. I, I just say trust the process because we have methods of detoxification. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, if we choose to put good things in our body and we minimize the toxins that come into our body and enhance detoxification, our body can do everything else. The yeah. reason why things slow down over time is because we get so overloaded with toxins. People get a little thicker around the waist because our liver's a little inflamed because mm-hmm. it's so overwhelmed with alcohol and smog and mm. chemicals from food you drink a soda and your body uh, do you call it soda where you live okay okay so you drink you know an artificial drink and your body basically has to take the artificial colors out take the artificial flavors out take all of the chemicals out just to get water like right. that's a lot of work for your liver now your liver hasn't rejuvenated you because it's too busy getting rid of toxins. So the less exposure we have to toxins and the more we enhance detoxification, the better we'll let our bodies do its natural thing, which is pretty amazing. Getting back to, uh, sorry, washing after a fire. I was asked about one of, uh, from one of my coworkers about, uh, the lymph nodes. Should we, of course, you're going to take care to wash everywhere, uh, after you get back from a fire, but like under your neck, under your arms, should you, take extra caution around those areas because that's where your lymph nodes are? Uh, well, the lymph nodes are under the skin. So I don't think washing the skin above the lymph nodes is going to matter as much as a having enough hydration. So things circulate, you know, yeah. very effectively. And I also believe that you guys should be prescribed massages on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> Say it louder. I mean, I, would, I also Yeah, I know. Are you hearing that? Uh, yeah. Tax agencies. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, massage is really, you know, so a couple things like a vibrational plate or a rebounder or anything you do where you kind of pound is going to stimulate lymphatic flow. Massage is going to stimulate lymphatic flow. Mm. And lymphatics are part of that process of cleaning things out. Like yeah. people, when you puffy under your eyes, that's like the lymphatics aren't moving as much. Um, but I don't think you need to like wash that area more. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I never even thought about it. Um, normal. normal. Just, don't be afraid to touch yourself. <laughs> uh, just sort of piggybacking off of, uh, off of that area, like the neck. Um, I've also had a few folks at work come up to me uh, because one of the things we have to do as firefighters is we have to be clean shaven before each shift that way that our scba mask can get a proper seal around around um our face so we're getting that fresh air uh during a fire but when we're shaving to the best of my knowledge when you're putting a razor against it you are starting to open up your pores a bit more uh so would would it be almost better to shave a few hours before we get into work that way once we're showing up 
the pores have kind of returned to normal, your skin's not going to be irritated anymore, and you might have a lower risk of absorption uh, for any of those toxins? Or is that sort of, um, or is there not really a risk factor involved with shaving before work? Such a brilliant question. So um, anytime you shave, you're making micro tears in the skin and like mm -hmm. micro trauma in the skin. So you're not doing anything to the pores per se, but okay. what you're doing is you're, you're kind of causing a little bit of a, an abrasion or a scrape to the skin. Even if you don't bleed, it's happening at a microscopic level. Yeah. So, um, as an example, so there was a series of an atypical mycobacteria infection in women who went to, uh, get their nails done in the spa where they put their feet in the water and they were getting this, this awful infection. It's, yeah. it's just an awful infection. And the women that got the infection versus the women that didn't get the infection were the ones that shaved that morning because oh. they were mm -hmm. more predisposed to getting that infection. Yeah. So to your point, absolutely. I mean, some guys have, you know, and as you were asking the question, I was almost anticipating what I would want to say. And it was yeah. what your question was. And some men, they have such a thick beard. And I saw this a lot in the military because, you know, you have to shave there too for standards. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, if you could give it the night before, or at least a few hours before, it will be helpful okay. to minimize the risk of having that break in the skin barrier. And I mean, you know, better than anyone, what burns do to the human body, like mm -hmm. people don't die from burns. They die from infection. Mm -hmm. They die from dehydration because our skin is the only thing separating mm -hmm. us from the outside world. So it's keeping what's in as important, our hydration, our electrolytes, yeah. our nutrients, our body and it's protecting us from pathogens that pathogens that are opportunistic from entering our body. So the more you can keep that barrier maintained by staying hydrated, by, you know, having good nutrition, good hydration and yeah. not causing trauma and the better it's going to be. Mm. So yeah, a few, as many hours as you can beforehand okay. to still meet standards. Yeah, because I know beneficial. some people obviously they've their hair grows back quicker, so they've got to shave a little bit closer to the time. Other people uh, with myself, for example, follically I, challenged. Yeah, I'll call myself follically <laughs> challenged. I, uh, I I don't get a lot of facial hair, so I can I can shave the night before, and there's you know nothing. There's no discernible difference there. Yeah, I, I shave the morning of shift, and like I use it. I'm very cheap, so I use a disposable razor, but like. One of those like old timey, you know, you put the razor blade. Oh, in. the safety razor. And I just saw my face apart. So I have yeah. literal open cuts on my <laughs> face sometimes. I come home and it looks like I'm shaved by Freddy Krueger, but, uh, or Edward Scissorhands. So, Coming like, from two of the people who have no idea what a skincare routine is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I so, mean, electric razors are going to cause less of a problem as well. Okay. And then if you anticipate wanting to grow a beard in the future, you can also look into laser hair removal. So okay. that's another option. Yeah. Um, I know we're kind of closing in on the end, and I guess it would be a cardinal sin if we didn't ask the dermatologist about skin cancer. What sort of things are we looking for? Like, what what is, like, how does it happen? Like, mm -hmm. you know, because like, I know it's a very dangerous thing once you get it. It might be like one small little spot, and then, like, it's mass concern. Um, and, like, you know, what are treatment options? And, like, I guess, what are you looking out for in this regard? Sure. So there's a lot of different types of skin cancers, but the most common type is basal cell, squamous cell, and melanoma. So basal cell and squamous cell are more common in the areas that are chronically exposed to sun, face, chest, or forearms, hands, and neck. 
and that danger zone we talked about in mm -hmm. front of the ear and behind the ear in men from the deep penetrating rays, just from driving every day from that compound effect we talked about. And typically what I'll see in the clinic, I'll see like, um, I don't even have to see the patient. I know it's a skin cancer. It'll say 50 year old white male pimple on his nose won't go away. I'm like, Oh, that's a skin cancer. <laughs> so often it can, like a pimple that doesn't go away yeah. or a little red blot that doesn't go away. So I basically try to simplify things for people. And if something is on your body that doesn't look like anything else that's lasted and persisted for more than a month, it needs to get checked by a dermatologist Okay, because it's an ugly duckling for you, right? It doesn't belong to anything else. Now, if we do grow a lot of like odd little things like keratoses and like little red spots and stuff over time, mm -hmm. over the years, mm -hmm. but they they come in clusters. You can find many of them. There's not just one. If you have only one spot that doesn't look like anything else, pimple that doesn't go away, a scaly area, you know, an area you can keep picking off on your hand and then it keeps growing back. That can be suspicious for a basal or a squamous cell cancer. Now, melanoma is the reason I became a dermatologist because I was training in Southern California, all these beautiful 20 year olds dying from melanoma because it wasn't treatable back then in the 90s. Um, right. Now it is. Now we do have immunotherapy, but really even the worst cancer in the world is treatable if it's found early. So um, melanoma, it usually looks like a mole. It doesn't always have pigment to it, but it looks like a mole that looks different from the rest of your moles. Yeah. And basically it's what I call it is asymmetric in color and shape. So if you have a mole that you draw a line through in the center, like you're cutting a pizza or a pie, it should match in color and shape on both sides. So normal changes of moles through our lifetime go from brown flat areas to raised up areas. So if you think about Marilyn Monroe, a brown flat spot on her upper lip, right? Mm -hmm. And then over time, it turns into like a Cindy Crawford mole where it's skin colored and dome shaped, almost like a volcano coming up to form an island. Okay. But the pigment is in the center and then it becomes skin colored on the periphery, like a fried egg. But if I cut it in half, imaginally, you know, with my, with my mind, the color and the shape are equal on both sides. Yeah. And then over more time, as we age, you get like a Clint Eastwood mole where it becomes really, really fleshy and you lose the color. So those are normal changes of moles. What's mm. not normal is color and shape being changed. Mm. So some people will say, I want all my moles removed because I don't want to have a melanoma. Well, unfortunately that doesn't work because only one third of the time does a melanoma occur in a pre-existing mole. Two thirds of the time it's a new spot. So we just constantly have to watch our bodies, check your mm. skin once a month, go to a board certified dermatologist once a year. A lot of people will say my doctor checked. Well, you can go through medical school and be the best doctor in the world and not do one day of dermatology. Just like doctors can go through medical school and be great doctors and not do one day of nutrition. So you really need to go to a specialist and a board certified dermatologist in order to yeah. get your skin checked once a year. Just okay. a good idea. And then have your check yourself once a yeah. month. So what is happening like in your body that like is the sun rays are coming in and it's like an exposed there, like exposed and prolonged exposure. Like how does that develop into skin cancer? Yeah. So, um, we constantly have our struggle with our immune system in our body, right? So when our immune system is strong, we can be exposed to many, many, many different things, whether it's infections, like, you know, COVID or, you know, anything, and we can protect ourselves. But mm -hmm. if your immune system is weak, HIV being a great example, things that affect no one are going to affect you. 
Okay. So same thing with cancer all day. My body is making little precancers right now, just mm-hmm. existing. Every time I'm breathing, I'm moving, I'm exercising, I'm exposed to smog outside. I'm exposed to ultraviolet radiation. This is radiation. Mm-hmm. It's going to cause little DNA mutations. So every time my cell replicates, the DNA is going to make a little mutation, a little error. And if I'm healthy and I have a strong system, it's going to be able to correct those little errors. If you're not, or you are exposed to too much that it's overwhelming, right? Yeah. Like think of a mm-hmm. fire, little fire, mm-hmm. you're out. Mm-hmm. Big fire, like you need, you know, you you can't keep up with it. So if you are exposed to too much or your immune system's weak, now all of a sudden it flips into a cancer. Yeah. So that's kind mm-hmm. of what happens. And that's why UV, while the sun, and this is this is the not the struggle, but the beauty to show why um the dose the the poison is in the dose with everything, right? Because it's like a little bit of something can be good and a lot can be bad. Yeah. So no sun exposure is we found isn't really good. You know, it's good for our eyes, it's good for our bodies. Too much is not good. So um because it is radiation. So it is a radiation. It is causing more damage. Just like when we exercise hard, we're we're producing free radicals. So, but those can be powerful. They can be good. We want a little bit of that, you know? So that's what happens over time. It just can become overwhelming or we get older and our immune system weakens. And I've had patients over the years where I've seen them regularly and ranchers, you know, that are out all the time and they have a lot of sun damage, but no cancers because they're a strong immune system and boom, they start getting cancer, cancer, cancer. And I say, whoa, let's take a step back. What is going on? And one of them had colon cancer. One of them had leukemia. One of them had kidney failure. Now their bodies, immune systems were too busy taking care of other things that right. other illnesses didn't keep precancers at bay and they were now getting cancers. So the skin is a representation as to what's going on internally. And you have to take a look rather than me being reactive and just cutting out cancers. Like, well, why are you getting all of these? What's going on? How right. can we bring your body back into a stronger immune state too strong because too strong, you get autoimmune conditions, you get other conditions as well. So we want everything in balance. More isn't better. Less isn't better. Balance is right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. I I just like never really realized like that's how it happens. You just always hear like, Oh, you know, you get skin cancer from the sun. So, I mean, I guess it's, it's really nice to hear the professional's opinion on it. So. I just wanted to add that one in five people will get a basal cell cancer. I have blue eyes. I'm sure I'll get one. And it's very easily treated. It doesn't get a lot in the press because it's very easily treated. So don't be afraid if you're listening to this and you have a little pimple that's been there for six months or even two years, you know, it, it's just a small surgery under local anesthesia. You're back to good in you know, a week or so. So Um, if it's found early. You said blue eyes, is that like a precursor to something? Coming from a fellow blue eye. Yeah. If you have light skin, light eyes, you're more prone to the susceptibility of the sun. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. African-Americans have less likelihood of getting uh, basal cell cancer and squamous cell cancer. Melanoma doesn't discriminate. Bob Marley died of melanoma on his foot. So melanoma doesn't discriminate. So mm-hmm. every skin tone has a possibility of getting skin cancer, but the fairer you are, 
the more predisposed you are to skin cancer, the also the less time you need to make sufficient vitamin D. So the darker your skin type, you need more time in the sun to make vitamin right. D, the lighter your skin type, the less time you need. So okay. pros and cons to everything, right? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's great. I think, yeah. uh, I think we got a lot out of this episode. And I think our listeners yeah, I learned take a lot. a lot away. Yeah. Thanks Thank a lot for letting us uh, pick your brain on this. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you're welcome. Great. Is there any final message or how can people get a hold of you if, uh, if need be? Yeah. So um, I do telemedicine consults in states if I'm licensed in your state uh, through a platform called Dermatologist on Call. And I try to incorporate some of the holistic stuff into there because it gives me the ability to do that. And I'm on Instagram at Dr. Jen Haley, and I have a podcast that I'm going to restart soon <laughs> called Radiant Revealed with Dr. Jen Haley. And um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's really important for everyone to listen to advice, but always check in with yourself because your yeah. body is going to give you the truth if you actually truly listen to it. So what feels right for you is always the right answer. Fair. Awesome. That's, that's good advice. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for, um, you know, sharing your time with us today. Uh, I got a lot out of it. We all got a lot out of yeah. it. And I think our listeners will too. So, uh, yeah, thanks thank a lot. Thank you so much.